0: God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. My sleep schedule's really fucked. Like, I can only sleep for like three hours or something, so. Yeah. I Went to bed at 11, woke up at 2, and then went back to sleep around 10.
1: What do you do from 2 to 10?
0: Um, Is that movie you, time? No, I usually go walk around, see if I can find a hobo. Yeah. Drug him. Usually fuck him, then skin him, then fuck him again, then kill him, then eat him, then fuck him. Or fuck what's left of him after I've eaten most of yeah. I Yeah. I always keep like a little bit of a hobo to fuck like post-consumption. Right. So that's usually what I do between those hours. And then by 10 AM, you're tuckered out. That'll really take it out of you. (laughs) (laughs) Dude. Plus you're full. It's hard to eat a whole hobo.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Not a lot of meat on their bones, but more than you would think, I guess.
0: Definitely now with the way food is made definitely more now than back in the Dust Bowl era when I think that was the prime hobo eating times. Uh, You know, Great Depression, Dust Bowl. A lot of hobos never made it home for Christmas. Did you ever hear the story? I
1: believe it was a German story about the guy that wanted to be eaten as part of like a sex fantasy. Found someone on like Craigslist or something and went through with it.
0: That sounds German as fuck. very
1: German, yeah. Well, it was a big deal because I guess they were trying to figure out if it was actually murder, if the guys wanted to be and fucked and then killed and eaten, and some some crazy German guy, probably a Daikent fan, was like, "I'll do it." <laughs> He's like, "Well, I've had multiple offers, so <laughs> he needed to have a whole
0: interview process because Germans don't fuck around, dude." Definitely, the guy was a Ramstein fan. I don't know if he was a Daikent fan, right? For sure. If you checked his playlist, there's at least three or four Ramstein songs, yeah, that's his
1: favorite band for sure. they probably have entire concept
0: albums about that. Did you ever see that Ramstein video that was basically a porno? Well, the only one I've seen is Du Host, which was like their big American hit oh, that's a great video where it like snow White I think so yeah, yeah they're they're the Seven Dwarves,
1: yeah, that is that that's crazy, yeah, that is it. I haven't seen it in probably fifteen twenty years, but
0: they were the biggest band in Germany I mean. Huge, bigger than David Hasselhoff. And then they put out a video that where they just got porn stars, or not stars, just porn industry people yeah. to do the video. And it's just, I think they used like body doubles and stuff to make it look like they were uh, fucking and stuff. Speaking of body doubles, I just started watching Righteous Gemstones on HBO.
1: The new season or you started from the very beginning?
0: I started from the beginning because I, I tried to watch it when it first came out and for whatever reason didn't like it. But I just rewatched the whole first season. I'm in the second season now. And uh, whoever made that show loves to show some dick. There's not an episode where you don't see a guy's dick at one point.
1: It's funny. I've seen that whole thing. And if you would have asked me if there any full frontal male nudity in it, I probably would have said, no. Whose dick do you see? Everyone's? Well, it,
0: it starts off and you see it's friend's dick while he's doing the cocaine. Uh,
1: okay. Yeah. That's right. When when he's uh, all his buddies in the hotel room.
0: But like when the guys break into the church, he makes them get naked. <laughs> there's just uh, the opening is season one. There's just a guy that's naked that walks through the camera and the guy's like nice dick and there's the scene where, where his friend's like the satan guy and he like rescues him from the satan place and yeah. he's like got a suit on except his dick's hanging out <laughs> yeah. so st- stupid Talking about Keith. yeah dude that show is pretty good
1: yeah it is good i don't know if uh has walter goggins made his appearance yet
0: yeah he's He's in it kind of the whole time. Yeah, he, can, he shows up like episode three. Or he's something. he's
1: so good. Yeah, I, I that little trilogy of shows that Danny McBride has made, Eastbound and Down, and which I think I watched the first season of that at your house, and then we loved Vice Principals. I don't know if you caught that show, but
0: I tried to watch it, and I again I didn't didn't like it. I'm not a huge fan of Walter Goggins. I think he was amazing in uh, Magnificent Seven or whatever that Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight, that was great. He was incredible in that. And he's a great actor. I don't know. I just don't I'm not sure how funny I think he is. I think maybe he's like too good of an actor or something.
1: But going back to ramstein you said they made a video that was like a porno. Don't they do weird shit on stage? Don't they like fuck each other on stage and stuff or pretend Jesus. to
0: and Oh, I don't know. I've never I mean I've got my Ramstein tickets. I had my Ramstein tickets for twenty twenty. Oh really? No, oh, it's a J- jk No, I've never never seen Ramstein. Never uh, do they even tour the states?
1: They do, and they do stadiums.
0: I feel like I've seen Ramstein just because I've seen Author and Punisher.
1: <laughs> Author and Punisher is definitely the logical one-man conclusion
0: of Ramstein. Wow, they play stadiums in the United States.
1: Yeah, it's really wild. I wa- I was making the case on my Metallica podcast. I was like, no other metal band in this era can sell out stadiums. It's just a the bands aren't as good, b there's less interest in that kind of music. And someone wrote in and was like "Rammstein still does stadiums." And I looked it up and they fucking do. It's crazy. And I watched one on YouTube. And I was like, "You know, how interesting is this going to be? I don't really know any of their songs and they're all in German." And just the kind of the show that they put on and their music's really powerful. I ended up watching about 30 minutes of it.
0: were they fucking each other?
1: I didn't get to that far. I think this was a big thing they were doing. Back when they had a hit, like that Duhas era. They have a bunch of like really like steampunk looking industrial pyro and like weapons and shit that shoots fire. and They're real intense. That main guy is a real intense dude. People love intense lead singers. They do. I watched, uh, unfortunately, I saw Katy Perry's <sighs> fairly atrocious halftime thing on the uh, Alabama game the other night and she's just like emoting so much singing this really kind of trite song and i thought i thought how embarrassing but then i thought well people love this stuff people love super earnest emotive lead singers
0: people love pink dude and that chick fucking i don't know she seems pretty cool
1: but i saw her sp- live and it was incredible really A friend of mine plays for this songwriter artist named Julia Michaels, who's mainly known as a songwriter, but she started to do an artist thing and they were opening for Pink. So he was like, hey, you want to come to the arena and check out the Julia Michaels gig? So me and Isabel went, didn't know what to expect. Julia Michaels was great. Really understated, but cool. Good band, great songs. And then Pink came out, we're like, well, let's just check out the Pink show. Dude, it was crazy good. She was like, she was doing like acrobatics on the arena. She was like flying, to, you know, like Bon Jovi shit. Every, new, every song, they introduced a new element of production, like with the stage and with the lighting. She blew up this big Eminem doll and then kicked it down. And it was very theatrical. And I, I kind of walked away from that pretty impressed with her, not in any danger of buying her, her latest album. But she put on a hell of a show. I mean, it was a very athletic show. Sounds like she was doing some bon-, bon Jovi shit. She was. She was flying around like Bon Jovi. Remember, when Bon Jovi used
0: to fly like Peter really. Pan. I don't. I don't remember that. <laughs> I, never, I, I do feel like David Lee Roth did that. So, so David Lee Roth did it. Then Bon Jovi's like, "Oh, hey, I wanted to do that. I want to do that flying around." Maybe that was a big thing in the eighties or something.
1: Yeah, they were like they would be suspended by wires that you couldn't really see. So they're just flying around these arenas
0: like fucking Peter Pan. I'm shocked that somebody didn't die doing that. Right. I did see Kiss, and uh, at some point, Paul Stanley goes to the middle, right? Um, did he fly to the middle of the arena? Yeah, he gets on like a hook or something. He's (laughs) like a. It is a a hook. He's like bait or something for the for the fans, (laughs) and they dangle him over the audience. But I'm sure they've been doing that same move for 30 years. Yeah, they're not big on uh, <laughs> reinventing themselves. Dude, I used to be able to drink five to 10 cups of coffee a day. Same. Now, you- if I if I drink two cups, I'm in real danger of having a, a real bad nervous breakdown. I
1: used to make a whole pot, and I would drink the whole pot in a day, and that pot would make 12 cups of fucking coffee. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't drink it all at once, but over the course of a day, like writing or doing a session, that coffee's gone.
0: Yeah. And I remember a guy who was around my age when I was 10 years younger than this, who would only, like, I'd be drinking a cup of coffee at like three, four, five, seven, ten, 10, whatever time you want to say. And he'd be like, hey, man, do you want a cup of coffee? And he'd be like, no, dude, my max is two cups. I'm like, I'll never be that. Here I am. I'm that guy now.
1: What was his name? Paul Stanley. And now you are Paul Stanley.
0: And now I'm Paul Stanley.
1: You're Paul Stanley, the hobo-eating, caffeine-sensitive napper. Here's who you don't want to be, other than the, the fame and money part. Here's who you don't want to be. You don't want to be Paul Stanley. Why? He seems like a fairly
0: tortured guy to me.
1: I, don't, he, I, don't, I think he's having a hard time being happy.
0: He might be when I went on that kiss cruise I went to his art class and he seemed cool yeah to me I don't know what to you know it's hard to yeah, who knows who knows who's happy and who's not happy but he looked like he was having he seemed like he was having a good time
1: What do you think about the fact that one of his main subjects in his artwork is himself
0: Those guys are just smart they're just making money they're right. they're their hobby I think they retired from the music business 25 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, maybe, and got into the money making business and they're great at it. And he knows that he's smart. He's just like, make, he's not making art to make art. He's making money to make money. And uh, they're, they're good at making money.
1: Well, they definitely are good at just shilling out a bunch of bullshit to their fans because their fans buy it. You know, they, after every show they sell like the micro, you know um, a microphone they do multiple a microphone that he's sang into like one song gene simmons will play bass for one song and then he'll sell that bass at the end of every show for ten thousand wow. dollars and they do that every night on tour
0: that's incredible yeah i mean i thought that's so smart i guess it's pretty smart it seems a little weird but well because a bass cost about brand new even if you're getting an american made base custom two grand so they just made eight grand on that base every show yeah that's pretty good money
1: it's just side hustles you know yeah they're already getting paid whatever their nut is for being there to play the gig incredible
0: it's so it's such a foreign thing to think that way but
1: more power to them well i don't know how you are with this i mean i like i like the freedom that money gives i like being able to go out to eat i like being able to buy my daughter what she wants or i like knowing that if there was an emergency that we're okay we're not going to lose our house or whatever we're pretty smart with our money but at the same time that's mostly because of isabel i don't really have a huge drive or greed for money i'm kind of okay with what i have so to see people just sort of you know fleece that way who are already themselves extremely wealthy it's a little weird for me. I just have a hard time empathizing with it, understanding it. But Biggie said a long time ago, Mo money, mo problems. You make more money, you live within those means, you got bigger bills, your margins are bigger, and you want more of it. The peop my friends that I have that are wealthy, their wealth has made them quite greedy. They they do kind of hoard their money and they do, they are pretty preoccupied with making more and more of it which I find pretty
0: fascinating. I mean, I know a few super wealthy people, but the people that I'm closest to that are wealthy are leprechauns. And those dudes are dicks.
1: Right. They're always looking for pots of gold.
0: I mean, you try to talk to them about anything that's not gold and they're not interested. Right. You're like, Hey, can we talk about me for a minute? And then they're just like, me gold, me gold, me gold.
1: It's a character flaw of the leprechaun, if I may be so bold. Yeah, I mean, be bold. <laughs> well, is it racist to stereotype
0: leprechauns? I don't even I, know
1: how that fits into the 2022
0: but, oh, dude, culture me, war. As soon as I started doing me gold, me gold, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Am I in danger of being canceled for doing a fucking leprechaun? Well, consider That was, That went through my head. Yeah. Dude, I just watched, I didn't watch it. My uh, my lovely daughter and wife were watching Puss in Boots, which is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Antonio Banderas uh, playing the full-length feature doc- docudrama Puss in Boots. Dude, it is so funny. And it's funny because, I mean, I don't know. Antonio Banderas is just a fantastic, great actor. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just commits to that character, but he half of the f- humor for me is just his accent.
1: Yeah, accents are funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah, "Puss in Boots" is is super fun and amazing. And if I mean, would that movie even be able to be made? To, you know, in the next five years because of the sensitivity about the accent or the appropriation? Or
0: here's who couldn't make it: anybody who didn't actually have that accent. Like if 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 Brad Pitt would have done the accent, cancel, for sure. Like, it has to be Antonio Banderas. It can't be somebody doing, it can't be Patton Oswalt doing a Spanish accent. I'm reminded of you and
1: Ollie doing your version of My Friend, the My Friend bit, but it I started I turning I into, like, Mi Amigo. and
0: <laughs> I don't know if My Friend is Spanish. I always think of My Friend as, like, uh, I always think of My Friend as Persian. My friend, my friend, my friend. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. My friend, my friend, my friend, my friend, my friend, my friend, my friend. My friend. It's a Persian guy. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me, my friend. My friend. My friend. My friend. Like trying to sell you a CD or
1: something.
0: CD. I just think of it like as a guy like on the streets of New York City, like trying to sell you a hat. Like, listen to me, my friend. My friend. My friend. Is that is that like a real? Is that a is that an actual Armani bag? listen to me listen to me my friend my friend my friend my friend my friend listen to me listen to me listen to me my friend my friend right that guy
1: it's a good guy the hat seller the hat seller in manhattan dude once i start it's like ice
0: i can't i can't just stop doing it it's pretty funny when it gets ramped up well i've done it at saxon where i'll just won't stop (laughs) and i'll do it for a long time. Yeah. Like if you do that for if you do that for a minute, it's so long. And I've done it for ten minutes. Oh yeah.
1: It, well, it goes through just a bunch of waves of different collective emotion in the room.
0: My favorite thing I've ever done at Saxon Pub was somebody did a request where they wanted us to do a song for this waitress that worked there, and they called her Mama Red, and they just wrote Mama Red B Day on the <laughs> napkin. And I just said "Mama Red B Day" at least ten thousand times.
1: Just throughout the night, or to, did you
0: do like a a riff? Oh, we just started. I just started playing some music, and it was like "Mama Red B Day," "Mama Red B Day," "Mama Red B Day," "Mama Red B Day." Dude, oh, it, I was. That was a moment where, like, if it, if it would have been like fourteenth century belgium i would have been locked up like they would have just come in they would have taken me away and right. locked me in, a, in an asylum and what happened to bob when well, he just started saying mama red bide." we must have locked him up that's my dude i feel like i was just in belgium <laughs> come with us now. let's hear your let's hear your belgium accent I don't have one. I don't even know how people talk in Belgium. I, no, I don't either. I think it's French. I think it sounds French. <laughs> oh, run ma- in Belgium. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Perot was famous. You know, Hercule Perot is famously from Belgium. Okay, gotcha. Oui, oui, madame. I'm from Belgium. Mamere Bité. <laughs> I only can do the French laugh.
1: Yeah, me too. It's a pretty, that's a pretty convincing French laugh. It is. Oh. <laughs> is that Pepe Le Pew? I guess it must be. I don't have a lot of reference points for Dude, French laughing.
0: Have you seen a Pepe Le Pew cartoon recently? Like in the last five years?
1: No, but I know it's a cigarette
0: smoking rapist cat. Dude, it's hard. Is it a cat it, or a skunk? What was Pepe it's a, Le... it's a skunk. A skunk. But that guy's hard, hard to watch. I'll tell you who I still think is funny, and this is going to probably upset some folks. But I'm a big Speedy Gonzalez fan. That shit is funny. I loved it as a kid. Did that get like kind of canceled? It's got to be canceled, dude, because it's so racist. Is it racist? Oh my god, the whole the whole thing about Speedy Gonzalez is <laughs> is all of his friends who are they're Mexican mice. All but all of his friends are so lazy all they want to do is just sit around and nap they just want to take a siesta they're like oh call him speedy let's take a siesta come on <laughs> speedy come on man just take it easy and then speedy's like andale, andale. and he's just like cruising around really fast that's the whole joke and uh it's mel blank doing that accent too it's not like it's not antonio uh, it's not antonio banderas doing it
1: this says, the, I'm reading an article from the LA Times that says why, why Mexicans defend it. It says, the Warner Brothers cartoon Mouse debuted in 1953 and immediately, immediately was a hit on both sides of the US-Mexican border. The plots were always simple, Speedy, antagonized Sylvester the Cat and other assorted felines, usually in a dispute involving cheese. The Raza rodent quickly picked up awards, blah, blah, blah. Problematic, a stereotype, no doubt about it. Yeah, Mel Blanc, voiced the fastest mouse in all of Mexico with a stereotypical accent and nonsense Spanglish. The typical Speedy plot casts him as a thief and a cad and his fellow Mexican mice as lazy, drunk, and happily living amongst trash. (laughs) He had a big sombrero. It says, and yet time and time again, Mexicans, the very group you'd think would hate Speedy the most, rose to defend his honor. In the 90s, college students cast Speedy as a proto zap zapatista who fought against american imperialism before it was cool to do so all right this is getting in the weeds of shit i mean
0: yeah basically what the article is saying is mexicans are cool
1: (laughs) mexicans aren't butthurt they get the joke and they're fine with it
0: dude one of my favorite stand-up jokes of all time was some guy from austin i can't remember his name but there used to be a commercial about weed it was like one of those dare to keep kids off drugs right, commercials right. and it was like do you think people who smoke weed are cool and then it just shows a kid drowned in a pool and the idea is like this person was high on weed and there were like your babysitter was watching your kid and your kid drowned right <laughs> and and the joke was like would your would your friends think it was cool you know if you smoked weed if you were watching their kids or something and then the joke was like well if they were cool <laughs> that depends are they cool (laughs) yeah i mean if they were cool it was such a i don't know it's pretty funny it's a good irreverent joke i took baths with my dad like until i was like probably 10 until you were 10 i don't know there's pictures of me though there's a very famous picture of me in my parents bathroom and it's my sister and we're all in the bath and it's my sister in the front, and then me, she, and my f- sister's facing the tap, and then I'm behind my sister facing the tap, and guess who's behind me facing the tap?
1: Papa Schneider.
0: Papa Schneider.
1: I'm guessing with a shitty grin on his face too.
0: Oh yeah, we're all grinning, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm I'm grinning through the aftermath. So yeah, kids in showers with their parents probably brings up a lot of stuff. I mean, I don't think, I don't think anything went down, but just the fact that there was definitely some, probably some dick contact, you know, that my dad who's oblivious probably thought was fine and probably was a little much for my sensitive brain. I mean, I took some baths with Luke and I was wearing my, uh, like my bathing suit the few times that I got in a bath with him. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, I I tried not to do the thing where it's like I didn't want it to be like I just didn't I I I mean, probably only took a couple baths with him. And I, it was more like I was just getting in there to kind of, you know, like like we were like in the pool or something.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: But I didn't uh, I I just saw my parents naked so much. It was, it was traumatizing for me in terms of just my, my body image. So like when you see your dad's dick, like every day, every day of your life, and then you get into puberty, you just think you have a small dick because you're just used to this big grown up dick compared to your tiny little, you know, four year old dick. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't want to do that to Luke. So Luke, you know, he might have seen my dick a couple times, you know, while I was peeing or something, but definitely never past the age of about three or four. I just right. made it very, I, I just was discreet about peeing and stuff like that. But dude, when he was six months to about two years, there wasn't a single time where he was taking a bath where I didn't, that was my time to poop. <laughs> like I would put him in the bath and immediately poop. Because you can't when when they're when they're a year and a half old because they're mobile. You can't like, hey, I'm going to go poop for thirty minutes. You just make yourself at home, <laughs> little tyke.
1: <laughs> no, you put, you put them in like you put in that little. What do you call them, A mobile or whatever. You put him in a thing.
0: That little Australian little. Was it suck- Australian? Yeah. What are those called? Mobiles, I think oh yeah whatever you can put yeah no yeah i i just would save my poops for when it was bath time (laughs) you gotta be strategic with those poops because i was yeah because i was like a single dad right you were kind of doing it on your own that's that's no joke that's hard to do and man it was it was so hard i would never i would never do that again if i could go back in time i would immediately hire a nanny right right i can't imagine doing it by myself it's so hard, and I never like. I was very. Uh, I never brought any girlfriends over that whole time. So we we separated when when he was six months old. So, anytime I had him, until my wife, until I started dating my wife, which would have been, I guess he would have been about six or seven, right? Um, so that whole time for five and a half six years, every time I had him which you know was three days a week. I had to watch him myself, and it was it was real hard for me. I'm not built for that shit.
1: Well, I applaud you for stepping up and doing it, being there and having your shit together when you had him, and that's really cool. A lot of people don't do that. We got to skedaddle to the Secret Weekly. I want to say thank you to Alan McCarthy and Matt Hartsock, who became patrons. Is that Paul McCartney's son? uh it must be i mean there's no other explanation his last name is mccarthy paul mccartney's
0: last name is mccartney so it was originally it was originally McCarthy. He changed it to right, mccartney right uh because it sounded more business-like so that's why i was asking him. it's the only
1: explanation so uh you
0: can join us on the patreon if you want to go
1: into the secret weekly which is where we go now after every episode it's uh what is it dot com slash letters i-o-k you get some bonus stuff over there and you get to support the podcast. It brings you so much joy every week. And we will head there now and take care of
0: yourselves and take
1: care of your families. Peace. By
0: the way, it is P-A-T-R-E-O-N, but spell it any way you want. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>